Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I like you, I could not. That's when it got wheels off. Aaron Draplin is not just a graphic designer. He is a force of nature. He's also an author. He's the founder of the Draplin Design Company. He has done work for everyone from Nike to the Obama administration. He released a book in 2016 called Pretty Much Everything that is just that. It's a retrospective of his work, which spans anything you can think of. He's done it. Notably, he does rock and roll album covers. He's done a some covers for the old 97s, as well as for a solo record of mine. He is a badass. He is intelligent and as excited and excitable as they come. He's bursting out of his own skin. He's a blast to talk to. He sat down with me in the workshop behind his home in Portland, Oregon. Please welcome to Wheels Off, Aaron Draplin. Hi, man. Thanks for coming over. Dude, I'm I'm in your office. This is okay to say, right? I'm in your yeah. office in Portland, yeah, Oregon. Yeah, we're in the backyard. I mean, can you work in your backyard? The answer is yes. <laughs> and can your commute be 10 steps? The answer is fuck yeah. Are we allowed to swear in this? Yes, you okay, can. I'll keep it real gentle. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I've worked downtown. So we're you guys at the Wonder tonight, right? Yeah, the old 97s okay. are in town to play at the Wonder. So it's about the same distance to where I was on 3rd and Stark. And that would take me 65 blocks. would take me an hour sometimes. So instead of bitching about it, Portland's changing fast. We built this, and I get to be in my little you know, sort of den back here and hide. And it's more efficient, and yeah. um, we're saving a little bit of money. Yeah. But the power's in our hands, you know, when we, yeah. So um, I'll start where I always start with my guests. What are you working on right now, and how does it inspire you? Right this very second. <laughs> are you ready for this shit? Yeah, okay. hit me. You know, the universe is expanding in every direction. And you got a couple years in me. I just turned 45. Happy birthday. So, thank you. Well, uh, for the last 40 years, there's a little thing that's been whizzing. The farthest known human-built pieces of humanity whizzing away from Earth, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. So, Carl Sagan builds this thing, works with NASA, 1975, 76. That's the one that have, these are the ones, these are the ones that have the golden record on them. Okay. Yeah. Sounds of Earth. You know, whales, babies, laughing, crying, sounds of Earth. These have been going, beeping away from Earth for my entire life, 40 years, since 70, you know, 7 or 78. Every day they travel 800 million miles a day or something like this. There's wow. something every day or it's 8 million, I don't know, every day. So it's, a, it's 13 trillion miles away from, from Earth. I've been, have you ever heard of the blue dot? No. Okay. Pale blue dot. Carl Sagan, when this thing turned around and shot 
back through our solar system and there is this lines of atmosphere and stuff and there's a little tiny dot one pixel on this 1982 shot that's earth to give us an idea of where we are in the cosmos okay so it's groundbreaking well check this shit out i talked to a guy from nasa yesterday and last night while i was brokering shit with you i designed a logo for voyager one and no. voyager two last no. night and he was like we just call so okay I've been on the road talking about myself. You're not the only entertainer out there. So I've been doing all this shit. We go to merch shows, going to conferences, goodies, all this cool stuff. So many levels of privilege. It's been incredible. I get back. An email I've been neglecting. A guy from JPL, NASA Industry. You know, JPL, Jet Propulsion Labs, calls mm-hmm. and says, we like what you do. I'd love to get you on a logo or two. What? So yesterday I called him at 2 in the afternoon in a lull between other things. And then he said... Well, make me a logo for Voyager 2. Because Voyager 1 just left a thing called the heliosphere. And that is the edge of our solar system. So it's far. And Voyager 2, which left a couple months afterwards, if I'm, I'm probably screwing this up for all the scientists listening. <laughs> but one's getting ready to leave the heliosphere. And that's what that logo was for. And if they like that one, they might do it for two. But the idea that he said to me, well, I'd love to get you on this. What's your schedule look like? And I said, what if I had it done tomorrow morning? <laughs> and I started that afternoon. I sent him a sketch. I sent the stuff last night at 2 in the morning when we were talking. Yeah. And I was in here working and in my sweatpants. And I go back in and I go crash at 3. And this morning, we're talking at this. We're talking at 5 o'clock this afternoon to kind of see what we're going to do with this thing. And I'm actually allowed to talk about this because it turns out when you see a photo from the Hubble, Mm-hmm. You own it. We own it. That's taxpayer money. So when you see a rocket lifting, we paid for that with our tax bucks. That's why NASA is so tricky to get money from, you know, senators and Congress and things and stuff because uh, 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 it's all taxpayer funded to get us to Mars. So to there's nothing there. secret. In other words, him asking you about logos is public domain. Uh, now, see, when I work for scary things, something <laughs> that rhymes with scrapple, yeah. I can never talk about it due to like a, you know, yeah. a, a non-disclosure. non-disclosure. That's a fucking foot-thick PDF. Well, um, that's what I worked yeah, I like on last that, night. a foot-thick PDF. Well, dude, that's amazing. So you're, like, I've always thought of you as like an international superstar. Well, I don't know like about intergalactic that. at this point. So this is the record set that they did last year, which celebrates... The, the no- Voyager Golden Record. Okay, so this was a super kit that came out last year. So as a record nerd, this is the actual size of the record that is on, you know, strapped to Voyager 1 and 2. And the idea is it shows you where we are just with the math here, right? So how would a, a, another civilization, if they found us, figure us out? Well, it talks about quasars and pulses of light, and this is all math. And this tells you our point, how to go read this thing. So when you flip it over, there's whales and shit screeching to hear what our planet sounds like i made a logo for that last night so incredible now now it could have been well i i cut down cardboard all afternoon and that was pretty good too so you you see this kind of shit it's like this is whizzing in space right now and it's carl sagan man in, in in a scary time where up is down and true is false and and comb overs are in fashion and fuck don trump that Science does prevail. So, you know, if, if something does or doesn't come out of what I did last night, like what if he told me it's going to take us six months to do this? I would say, sure. But in my weird little world back here, I can say, I have a sketch. I have an idea. I know the vernacular of what you guys have looked like over the years. It's not going to be all that groundbreaking. 
but I'm going to send it to you. What do you think? He presented it this morning. And we'll see if it goes. That's what I did last night. That's amazing. So. And well, you know what you made me think of is that these conversations I've been having with people and a lot of musicians, actors, comedians, um, you are sort of the outlier so far in my group. But what it made me realize is that it's all about communication, right? Mm. Like what you're doing is not unlike what the whales are doing or what, you know, what that gold record is yeah. doing. We're just trying to reach other people. Yeah. Well, when I get to make a record for you guys. Yeah. You got to put it on vinyl. You got to put it on a CD. You also have to have little assets and stuff that they're going to make a little poster or a postcard or a fun sticker or my little weirdo uh, one of 500 promo disc. You know, because it's not you just make the CD and the record, but there's all these other parts and pieces. And that might be on you know, Robin and ATO building all those pieces. But really, it's just getting the word out for this next little vessel. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that's exactly what I do. I just help, you know, uh, make little parts and pieces. You know, it's one thing to think the record, but, you know, a lot of what I'm doing when I'm like putting you guys using this photo this way, this photo, it has to look okay in iTunes too, which yeah. is the size of a stamp. <laughs> so it's one thing to see us at the record store, right? It's another thing, or in an email blast. But really, where you're going to be seeing it is when you're selecting it in your pile of records. You know, like I'm talking on just on a digital level. So that has to be considered. It's like if you're lightning bolt and you puke on a page and slam it down, that's your record cover. Cool. <laughs> but it's hard to find lightning bolt on the spine even. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's okay if you're a bunch of weirdo noise guys. But what if you just want to have a kick-ass perennial holiday record that says old 97s? You know, that's just we're just telling it what it is, you know. So there's, you know, to do this for a band or something that's my favorite job you know you've told me that before that when when you're approached to do albums like you you are in because i mean you're the the asks for you i mean you get nasa last night the asks for you must be pretty phenomenal so music is something you really love right my favorite thing is a record or or just well just say here's what i'd say is like as a kid buying records i've got every jesus lizard over you know a foot from me but as those things would come out, you would read these weird lyrics. There'd be a little bit of art. There'd be like who played what, who moonlighted on the thing, who records Steve Albini, this, yeah. Steve Al- places where you could go drive to. So you bet your ass I have been to the cinder block whatever of Jack and Dino up in Seattle where they recorded Bleach. Yeah. I mean, I stood in front of it and said, wow, I own that record. And, and it was one more layer. I have been to practice spaces where supposedly Uncle Tupelo used to go and play as a fan of Uncle Tupelo in Belleville, Illinois. A buddy of a buddy gave me some coordinates. I've also been to the doorstep of Jay Farrar, and that got a little too deep. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he found his address online. I just feel, I still feel bad to this day. But, you know, who are your heroes? And I've driven all over Amherst to just get a whiff of Jay Mascus. I've worked for him now. Yeah. And he's as weird as the day is long, and he's just that much more <laughs> mysterious. But I will say it's like, um, I don't get a lot of asks because if you make one record 10 years ago and then you make two and then you make six, then you start getting a lot of stuff. It's a couple times a year for me. Okay. And and I really look at it as like, those are the little wild cards that, um, you know, you don't make a lot on them, but it's something so um, fucking special. Like how many records will you make in your life? Now the Flame and Lips, they've done 40 yeah. You know, okay, they're not the Eagles, but they did 40. It's pretty cool. And 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 my favorite bands, Jesus Lizard, they did eight. 
yeah. or seven or whatever it was, and they're killer, but that's it, you know, after that. And the idea that each one is this special vessel, I really look at it that way. So, like, you know, working for you guys, it was like, you know, I'm not really concerned. I mean, I'm, you're already heroes because I'm a fan. But whether or not it's big money-making or little money-making or I don't even know, like acclaimed or cool, it's just really cool to me because you guys made this thing. You created this thing, you know, and uh, to be able to help facilitate just how it holds in your hands, that is my favorite thing to do. Well, so, it's a collaboration, right? Because oh, yeah. you, what you did, you know, I think especially of most messed up in the iconic image of that yeah. And that was, you came to us with that out of the blue and it just, oh my God, it touched us. Well, when I, when I give you a pile at the start, you know, mm-hmm. how I give, I, you know, yeah. I frustrate you guys with 40 things because what I'm doing is I'm feeling around the dark to say, okay, are we going photography? <laughs> yeah. Are we going illustration? Are we just going to put a picture of the band? Are we going to take a picture of the band and damage it? Is it just going to be silhouettes? <laughs> it's a bunch of quick yeah. things. And all the time you're looking back at the last couple of records to make sure you're not doing the same color, yeah. the same style, the same type, the same things. You guys are a country punk, train rolling down the tracks, rock and roll fucking band. There's a certain flavor it's going to get. It's always going to have this kind of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Merle Haggard guitar kind of like inlay to it. It's always going to be pressed. It just smells like that. There's a, uh, uh, but you know, but the lyrics are clever. The, the, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to say it. It's like when I work with a heavy metal band who's dark and everything darker, it's my job to say, you know what? The last three are all really dark. Yeah. Maybe we go light for this one yeah. because it'll just be sort of interesting. The posters will look different, the patches and the stickers and the goodies. And that's our job. That's yeah. our job just to kind of guide that stuff. But, you know, here's the deal. I don't make that record cover for me. It's for you guys. It's yeah. your baby. It's your records. I mean, when I got to do your messenger, it was like, I saw all the other stuff. You know, that was the messenger, right? Traveler. Oh, wait. Okay, you have to record it. When I got to do the Traveler, yeah. go back and clean that part. When I got to do the Traveler, what's the new one, messenger? The messenger, yeah, they did it in-house. So when I got to do the Traveler, <laughs> you know, I have to go back and look through all your records and say, I see what he's doing on his solo efforts. And here's what the band does. And you have to be respectful of this different vessel. It's a different beast. Yeah. And we discuss that and we try different things. And I love when our buddy picks up you know, the Traveler now and he'll say, you cut his face off. And I was like, I, of course I did. <laughs> because, you know, the other ones, they, it's more about that. The next time they can go back to having them in front of the, you know, that, the, the gray one you have now. The idea that we did a yellow record and then it's got this little bit of, you know, good. These are roller coasters. Yeah. I hope you make them every two years the rest of your life. That'd be pretty cool. Thanks. I hope so. Too many times in the bands I love and I read their stories, you know. What you realize more and more is Wilco mm-hmm. is a very rare collaboration, collective unit of health. Like they're all really good with each other. They're productive. Um, and I love them so much for yeah. that. So, you know, when people say to me, well, what kind of graphic designer do you want to do? And I say, I want to be a Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. What that means to me is someone who has complete creative control. It might not be the biggest thing in the world, but the fans that dig it really dig it. It's like unimpeachable. So it's, yeah, I just really appreciate that. That doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be dollar signs attached to it. Sure. To see that those guys have been successful and have complete creative control, I'll be a fan forever. So you do know? you think if you are motivated by money that that's counterproductive? 
oh, fuck, no, I want to make cash. I had, <laughs> I had nothing for years. I mean, I, I, it's, it's romantic to say, you know, that like, but here's the deal. When the big jobs come, it's a different filter, but I know how to handle it. Because uh-huh. oftentimes they're not even seeing me or hearing me. The only thing they're really sort of able to gauge on is an email. And then the work. And it's a bit of fuckery because, frankly, I'm not as good looking as some of these contemporaries. And fuck them. They're just tax paying. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like one after the next smart graph designer type. I show up and people think I'm there to make a delivery. Fine. <laughs> and I get that too. Sir, deliveries need to go to this doc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they only get to judge based on like, you know, how solid, how sound, how on time I am. And that is 90% of what I do, right? So if it's a big job, I'll take it. But I also keep room for no money. Now, I know this is going to sound weird, but you guys are on ATO where they can actually pay us. Yeah. But let's just say you came to me and said, we're just putting on old 97 records for ourselves. The band coughs up the 10 grand to make a bunch of records and record it and do some things and stuff and things. We have no money. I'd still do it. Because it's it's the idea that like, you know, what, what, who am I working for? I work for companies a lot. Sure. Things and stuff. But when you're working for a group of buddies that are just going for it, you know, I don't know how to say it. It's like, I just want to leave room for that shit. It's like a sliding scale. Absolutely. Where and, love is sort of one end of the barometer. Incorporation. It, it's very yeah. fashionable and very, um, I don't know how to say it, uh, deflating. Yeah. Like my contemporaries where they'll say, why do you do it for no money? You're fucking it up for the rest of us. And it's like, <laughs> because I like their band. Yeah. Because they're my buddies. And Scuzz is a dishwasher and, you know, Two Bit is a, he's unemployed yeah. and he works at a Nike so he can pay for the whole thing. And so and so, who gives a shit? They're only going to make 500 records anyway. Yeah. And I get 10 to give to my buddies. That's cool. You know, that's cool to me. So that's refreshing to me. I mean, that's no different with a logo. Yeah. When people come and say, you know, we heard that you'll do these things like Free Fridays. Is I did a TED Talk and, and uh, talked about Free Fridays. And the idea is if I'm on the clock for the big things, Monday through Friday. I always work Saturday and Sunday anyway. But if you really look at Monday through Friday, you go through that back and forth. You throw about a Friday away, which is just due to someone saying go up, go down, go left or right. And I'm a good accommodating Midwesterner who says, you want me to go right? I'll go right. But we always do a bunch of twists and turns and go back to those first couple of things I showed. And the idea is over the course of that week, fuck it. What if I only work Monday through Thursday in that kind of riffraff? And then Friday, it's just for my own self. So I've been doing that for a lot of years, which might be <laughs> a flyer for my sister's business. Might be <laughs> something off of Craigslist. Or um, a record from your buddy's band. That's really cool. So, like pay I, it forward. I just um, want to... Talk to me about... Your start, like the path that brought you to this this beautiful <laughs> office in the backyard of your Portland home. Mm, well, was we, there an epiphany moment when you were growing up? Yeah. I mean, there's. I'm from northern Michigan, so uh, up above Chicago, six hours, five hours up above Detroit. For us to go see a band in Detroit, you know, 1992, there's a good chance your car would get stolen, huh. you know? And we're seeing, what would we be seeing in 1991 or two? Fucking ministry or something, you know, yeah. or some goddamn, you know, I remember, you know, going and seeing uh, the Jesus Lizard in 93 or maybe Fugazi or whatever it was. We came out and our, the car was stolen because oh. Detroit was rough. So for us to have this sort of like, this could happen, 
always at the tip of your, you know, tip. Of, it was like, this could happen. It's and it happened to us. So as a young kid, we knew we're going to have to go try some new shit and go, well, I want to go out west. We were skateboarders and snowboarders. So we go all the way to Oregon in 93. We save our money. I had two years of, of community college done. So I, that was enough to placate mom and dad. I get out west. So the first epiphany was like, we're going to have to make this happen for ourselves. So I was 19. Yeah. Get out west real fast. I get out here. I snowboard like an animal up and down the west coast, all over the west in the backwoods and shit. I'm going to see rock and roll bands on weekends in Portland. So we're seeing everything from Brainiac to Lemonheads to whatever. And 98, in the summers, I'm going to Alaska to make money, washing dishes on a sightseeing train. I go back down in 98 to art school in Minneapolis, do two years while I'm in Minneapolis. That's where I started. That's where I found you guys. Because I go back to Minneapolis, and here's the next epiphany. There's a big world outside of snowboarding and skateboarding, right? <laughs> and, the, and really what it was was I grew up on your modest mouses and red house painters and punk and indie rocks and stuff. But when, when Uncle Tupelo split and I fell in love with Wilco and Sunvolt, it opened Bottle Rockets, <sighs> Richard Buckner's, uh, fuck Waco Brothers, yeah. all that riffraff, and I got you guys. And then you guys, like it was like, I don't know how to say it, like it was fun. And it wasn't singing about whiskey bottles. Well, with yeah. the, you know, but it was like, I don't know how to say it. I went and saw you guys a bunch of times. I've never followed a band. I've followed one band. I saw you guys three nights in a row. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland, Buffalo, and Portland, Maine. And I would be behind you guys on the road. You guys are driving in your van. And I would pass you guys. And you know, I'll see you next night. I mean, this is 1997. Right? So I go to art school in Minneapolis. I get my two big years there. I get out in 2000. I get a job at a snowboarding magazine in Southern California. I moved on to close to L.A., not feeling it. Did that for two years. Got the hell out of there. Back to Portland. I worked in an agency for two years in Portland, 2002 to 2004. Big leagues for me, but small, awesome little indie leagues for what we were doing. We were working on Nixon watches, action sports stuff, so skateboarding, snowboarding stuff. Really sophisticated stuff. Gravis shoes, Nixon watches, uh, Heli Hansen, Adidas, Nike thing stuff. But I got the first taste of like being really organized, and it kind of freaked me out. I was a good little worker. But there were a lot of meetings about meetings and emails about emails. So since 2004, I've been on my own, working out of my basement for a bunch of years. Then I worked 10 years with my buddies downtown. And now here, but the epiphanies along the way, the, the last big one was in 2004 when a guy said to me, Draplin, you can do this on your own in your backyard or out of your home. He had jumped out of agency life and he uh, was picking up his kid from school every day. He was sleeping in. He was working late when he wanted to work late. But what he wasn't doing was he wasn't just going through all the sort of like, you know, I'm not trying to slam it because I have buddies who are, I went and saw buddies this morning in the agency. But some people are good with that. We'd play ping pong all day. Fuck around. Go to lunch. <laughs> and I'd work from three to five and go home. And it was like, why, why do you even, why are we even here? Like, I could be done before noon, really, if that's really what we're doing. So I put a month in, I've been on my own. So really the epiphanies are like, we got to make it happen every single time. You know, like, wow, there's a big world outside of apre ski life, which is so fucked anyway. I mean, we're not rich kids from where mm. I'm from, but we were hanging out with a lot of that shit. And that starts to mess with you because, you know, you see guys with brand new trucks and bullshits and snowmobiles and shit out in the West. We didn't have any of that. We'd go up to Alaska to make all our money and come back down and just, just squeeze by 
it was still awesome because we were, you know, out in the West in the mountains. But every time was always this thing like, if I don't act now, I'm going to fall into something a little too cool and maybe do it for a little too long. I'm so thankful I went on my own because, you know, I've had, you know, the most I could make of that agency that first year. And I hate to be about money, but you kind of were asking sure. about it. I tripled what I made that first year on my own. So if I'm making 70 grand there, 65 grand, I think, and then I break 200, those yeah. are fucking numbers. Yeah. So what that meant was next year was 210, 242, whatever. That's great. I had the house paid off in four or five years. I haven't had a penny of debt since 2011 or 10. Do you feel like, uh, like going to the art school, did you feel like that was about, I mean, you said about being at the agency and learning about being organized, which I'm looking around your office right now, and it's very organized. Um, And I don't see you as being somebody that's necessarily, naturally super organized. Yeah, yeah. But um, do you feel like it was valuable? Like the art school, was that valuable? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, it was a ton of money. So to get back to like, you know, what am I doing here? For the first six weeks, of course, I was terrified because the first day in one of the first classes, I did the math and it was like, okay, a credit hour. These are four hour classes. Every hour is a hundred bucks or something to this effect. So the idea was for this one class, you go in at one, you leave at five. It was 400 bucks when you really did the math. That was two runs on the train up in Alaska. So every time I did a tra- train run after taxes, it was 200 bucks up 14 hours to Fairbanks, down the next day, 14 hours down back to Anchorage, I'd make 220 bucks or something. So here I am in class, two runs on the train, which is four days working to have one class. I'm going to take advantage of this. And then the first day of one of my first classes, I run into academics who haven't worked on the front lines like some of the people, my heroes. They have only been into grad schools and things, and they go start teaching, and basically are just dicks. The first day of one of my first classes, I ran into this person who, to this day, fucking just freaks me out. And I went back that night to the house and was, you know, on the edge of tears talking to my mom, saying, I just signed on 40 grand for about a year and a half. I got a bunch of scholarships and shit, so I got even easy for two and a half years. But I just signed off on this thing. She said, you got to let it go for, you know, whatever. So to answer that, it's like, I absolutely had to go. It taught me what my skill set was, and it also taught me what to avoid. Because we, you know, in Minneapolis College of Art and Design, which is an incredible kind of a RISD of the Midwest, right? Or we'll just say, fuck that. RISD is an MCAT out in in, in Rhode Island. So here we are at this, like, cool art school, paying a shit whack of money. And you got to see the most highfalutin of graphic design, the highest at the Walker Art Center. These contemporary issues, which seriously are just farts in a st- in a stiff ass wind, you know, just who, who's worrying about this stuff? Well, we got to see who was. And in the same respect, I would go to a junkyard that afternoon, or I would go to a metal fabricating whatever to pick up sheet metal to make stuff for class, and I would see all the way the other flip side. Which, I'd rather be on that end, right? So what school just taught me was like, I mean, on a, on, a, on a sort of a technical level, of course, if you can go, go. Just be able to pay your loans off. Yeah. Because to this day, when I go speak at schools, once a year, I get a kid who will mm-hmm. tell me, okay, I've read your book, I've read your stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be 130 grand in the hole when I get out of here. 
And one time I had to say to the kid, I said, well, okay, man, here's how I did it. Graphic design, it's very commercial. You get a couple good jobs. It's like pay dirt. You follow this, it takes you to this. You can pay the 130 off in 10 years. And he says, I'm not a graphic designer, man. I'm a, I'm a fiber artist. And that's like paper and shit. Oh. And it was just like highway robbery. <laughs> so I'm glad I went. It was awesome to go. I'm conflicted because sometimes, you know, there's like these mail-in courses you can go do. And yes, it'll say you're a, I don't even know, a chef yeah. or a designer or whatever, or recording. I mean, I, I've met kids who are like twiddling knobs and learn how to become sound engineers. And they're getting jobs because it's a trade, yeah. you know. Art's weird. I knew that whatever they could teach me, I was going to have to go and hustle a whole bunch. And I was ready for that shit, too. You know? yeah. So, I mean, uh, if you're listening and you're on the fence, see, that's another cool thing. I'm 45. I remember a guy who was like 42 when I was in school, and he was the old man. He was going back to school at 42. I keep that as a wild card. I want to go back and go to something. You know, yeah. Maybe someday you can. I learned that in school, that my 24 or 25 years old I was at that time didn't mean shit. It put into perspective, like, wow, in five years I'll be 30, and I'll be done and making money, but wow. What I've done since I was 19. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's what school did. It, it let me reset and not have to go to work every day. I got to go to school for two years. Paid for it. Yeah. And had it paid off by 2000, I think it was nine. That's great. Do you, to me, you seem like somebody that like feels comfortable in his own skin and doesn't wrestle with a lot of inner demons. But, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people, you know, even out before I started recording these, um, just about the way artists uh, encounter and then deal with like negative voices in our heads that oh, wow, the sort yeah. of imposter syndrome, the sure. fear, of, fear yeah. of failure or being sort of found out as a oh, fraud. Man. Do you deal with that? Well, I, a lot of what I do, it's very kind of trade based. It's, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like um, I'm being patronizing to people who are doing this, but sometimes it's like mowing the lawn. Yeah. It's just production. <laughs> and there's really, there's no indulgence there of like, am I good or am I bad? I just need to get the file sent back proper. I love that part, that element of this stuff. But of course, you know, there's, you know, I don't know how to say it. It's like before there was an audience being concerned about what I do, I was just happy to make, make, make. Because yeah. it was just, fuck it. You know, my friends are going out and chasing girls, mm -hmm. you know. I had a girl, whatever, but it was like I didn't need to go out and drink it up. I don't even drink. It's too much. You got to lift it. You got to hold it. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Sleep it off. You got to. I mean, I'm saving that. Maybe someday I would really, you know, someday. But, but I saw that, and it freaked me out. And was like, man, I don't want to spend my time talking about drinking. I'd rather go talk about you know making making art. Yeah. And then when you get people sort of interested in what you do. You know, it can be a really unhealthy thing because then you start having these bars built where it's like, well, you better hit this level. Your last record was this. It better do this. Luckily, I come from a shitty little background of Fugazi, which yeah. told me it was okay to be broke. It's okay to wear holes in your jeans. It was okay to be big, little, ugly, weird, sweaty. Really, really tight. You know, no one who gave a fuck who was the best. Like there's a nobility in being overlooked and misunderstood. Fuck, man. Awards don't mean shit. I know there's awards in rock and roll. There's awards in, in graph design, too. I'm not going to those dinners. That was inherent in me. 
from the get-go to be like, I just don't care about that. And that is outweighed any, I mean, listen, you go to the agencies, it's no different with probably rock and rollers. You go to the agencies, they show you off all your awards. I've never won an award. I've never tried for an award. My award, I've been debt-free since this, I've been free. I get to sleep at night. I get to work with my buddies. And you can't put, there's no paycheck for that shit. But, you know, a lot of that comes after the eyeballs, you know. My girl, you know, who you can hear her eyes rolling from here. Here, you hear it? She knows what a fucking, you know, a fuckhead I am. The the game of perception. We go to this Adobe conference. There's 14,000 people there. A couple thousand come to our merch table. We kill it. People, I'm signing things. They're freaked out. You're drapping. You're this, you know. But the moment we are out of there pushing back to the van, I'm just an asshole trying to get his parking thing, you know, to save three bucks on his parking tab, you know, or whatever. That's real life. It's funny. That's the problem with validation, right? Like, if you're getting it, it's great. But if you're living and dying by it and then you don't get it, then what? here's what I see. In the seven or eight years that I've been so lucky to go to, you know, how many shows did the old 97s do? At the very height of an old 97s year, what would that have looked like? 200 shows. Jesus Christ. Okay. So I've had some years where, like, my buddy's in Red Fang, heavy metal band in yeah. town here. Red Fang, we did 150 shows. Yes, because that means they're getting to this level. There are a couple of years there I did 50 and 60 shows as a graphic designer. You know, you go on Wednesday, you go talk on Thursday at some cultural whatever, come back Friday morning. Incredible. Work on the planes the whole time and make good use of the time. I've done 387 shows in the last seven years. No. So I've kept track of all this, you know, all these places I've been able to go to. I've been through Dubuque, Iowa twice. Weird. (laughs) But what I'm seeing is I've had an incredible arc. Now, at any point there, say it just stopped, I would have been cool. It would have been a little arc. But I'm still in this thing where, like, we just did over the last three months. Well, we did 22 shows in the last three months. So that's the fall tour, 18 or 20 or whatever it was. That's a lot of shit. That's a couple things a week. Okay, when's that going to go away? Because what I'm seeing is I'm seeing, it's just one guy I'm thinking about. His initials aren't, no. There's one guy I always see. If I'm 45, he's 58. He's just at the end of his arc, and it's okay. He didn't pay for a plane ticket. From 95 to five years ago or whatever. And you'll see him backstage hanging out, getting kind of mean on me. Because mm. I'm this thing that's going out to do a keynote. The new kid. Well, that's that's eight years old. So the idea that you're just sort of humble and say, man, if this shit stopped any minute. I can always go back to making logos. Or my big plan, I saved all my shit. And, you know, you're watching stark markets and tickers and SEP IRAs and shit. I saved it all because I was a good Midwesterner afraid. I don't want to be the guy who's bitter, who's harping on the new blood. Because it's always going to happen. Rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing sucks more. You know, that's why I love Jay Maskus and shit, because he's 52 and he's still putting out records I have to listen to. Yeah. I can, I can lose my shit. I've listened to those guys for 30 fucking years, right? And the idea that, like... Well, the Pixies didn't get me all that much when they came back out. The tickets were a hundred bucks, and they're just banging through ninety-four songs in fucking ninety-four minutes. Check out their newest one. I'm sure it's great. Head carrier. I'm just saying, it's like I'm a Frank Black fan. I'm a Kim Deal fan, of course. But I'd rather go see Dinosaur, where it was like kind of sketchy, and I just love them for that. (laughs) And they're not making a million bucks, but they're doing okay. Yeah. 
So I'd rather be that than like, you know, mean or bitter or concerned about who's the best or concerned about, I just want to make sure I got my mom and dad covered, you know, my girl and my little sisters and my buddy Dale, you know, in in certain pinches. But, um, you know, I don't know where it comes from. I don't have to measure myself against anyone. Back here, it's just like, you better be done by seven because we're having a... Some sad little piece of chicken and something <laughs> green and a little salad. It's just the the party's over, Rhett. No, but, she's not rolling her. Oh yeah, because you got to try and be healthy. I get it. <laughs> so you know, talking about being comfortable in your home, oh, I got I got a laundry list of situations. You know, I'm you know junior muskox status. I got to get smaller always. <laughs> but it's just like you know, like I'm not going to beat myself up about that or about making graphic arts. All of this shit is a giant privilege God. to be alive, yeah. to be in our universe. That's really going kind of high, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I think what it was was just a couple of choice summers in Alaska where it sucked. Yeah. It just sucked. And and my friends were, you know, back in the, the contiguous 48, river rafting, chasing ladies, going to rock and roll shows in, you know, 1990, what, six? And I was up there washing dishes. It wasn't bad, but it was just like, ooh, this is my lot unless I climb out of it. And I did, but I remember that. I just talked about that with John McRae from Kate, who was saying (laughs) that um, how great all those hardships are. You have to have them. I mean, I, I meet kids where I'll say, all right, what's your suckiest job? They haven't worked yet. Oh, like wait a second! You're 24. Mm-hmm. You're you have a grad degree. You don't have a Papa John's a couple years ago. You don't have some <laughs> McDonald's back in the day. That's a different generation. I get yeah. it, but they're going to be in some trouble because the first time that someone says, "Stay on Saturday," whether you like it or not, they're not going to have this little toolkit that I had that was humility or perseverance or how to just suck it up. I know it sounds real old-fashioned, but I know how to do that. Yeah, that's good. You so know. you're already going, kind of going there, but where I like to always wrap these up is if you were to meet the 21-year-old version of yourself, but yeah. working in today's world, what advice would you give yourself? Don't be af- ever afraid to make your own things. You know, Roll the dice on yourself. Buy the best equipment you can buy. Because you know, I used to be like, I'll call it like a, even eight years ago, maybe before all this shit started to happen, I was mid-range. I'd go buy a laptop. I could only afford the $2,800 one. It's still a lot of money. Yeah. But if you paid the $3,500, you get the super souped up whatever the fuck. Right, I'm here to tell you the last five, six years, I go into that Apple store like I own the fucking place and say, give me the fastest one you got. Because it's a tax write-off. Yeah. I never knew any of that shit. You know, the idea that like having good equipment means you get a little bit quicker. Get extra monitors so you can see. You don't have to click through shit. I mean, these are tiny little things that professionals would tell me. But... On a larger, larger level, it's like, I don't have to do a lot of that what if because I always knew and have to have one foot in the kind of like nine to fiver, be a good little citizen, be a good little worker bee, take it on the chin world. And at 501, it's up to me if I want to make, make the leap. I have buddies who only stay in the nine to five and that's fine. That wasn't for me. So I just knew that I had to make it out of there. But the whole time, you have to have a little bit of both. See, it's, you don't get one or the other. There's an equivalent of that in my life today. You know what it is? It's filling out vendor paperwork. Uh, when you, you know what I'm talking about. So if that's the worst of my life, these hands, yeah. meat hooks, you know, <laughs> and little catcher's mitts that they are, they're pretty fucking soft. You know what I mean? Like I'm not out putting pylons down. 
I'm back here, you know, uh, noodling around on guitars, flipping records over, tinkering on keys, and and uh, and, and enjoying it. So. Well, I still, I, I think your work ethic is admirable and something that, you know, everybody coming up should emulate. And I love your well, attitude about stuff. Thanks, man. I'm so glad to talk to you, Well, Aaron. just let me get a word in here, okay? Thank you for rolling the dice on me with all these records over the years and uh, for letting me be a fan you know, and making rad shit all these years. Because listen, I still listen to those records. I'm a fan. Tonight, I'm a fan. And I remember, and this is for Ken. Uh, Ken dedicated a song to me and gave me, and I was drinking just a smidge in the 90s. <laughs> just a smidge. And he was giving me little drink tickets. Because you guys, and you get, after the point, it's like, I don't even want to drink tonight. I'm just, yeah. just going to get through the show, get to the next hotel. And he said, hey, this is for my buddy Aaron. I've been Because I was talking to you guys before and after the shows. And it's like, you know, all these years later to work for you guys, thanks. That's cool. That can happen, you know? It's really cool. So, thanks. All right. Thank you so much. It's a wrap. Okay, now I can say what I really want to say. (laughs) Now, track six on the fucking traveler. You really need to open up. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay.